Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. It's David Kennedy here. Uh, Pastor Don Spears has been at the Flowers Hospital in Dothan, Alabama today, having an operation and an artificial knee being put in. Uh, The operation should be over by now. And um, so you could call Flowers Hospital, Dothan, Alabama, sometime this week and say hello, ask him how he's doing, all that. And so tonight... And for at least about 10 days to 21 days, Kevin and I will be looking after the program. And we will be doing videos, mostly. Tonight, though, I was going to do a teaching on salvation, sealed, struggles, and scourging. So it's a synopsis of things that Pastor Don has taught over the years. And I just... I wasn't even going to preach, but on Sunday, early in the morning, I was up and, you know, like I speak to my family every Sunday morning and we have a meeting. And I taught similar to this to them. And I just thought, yeah, I need to get this together better. And I I need to do this on Monday. So I spent the last two days looking into this more deeply. And so... That will be the message, salvation, sealed, struggles, and scourging. So I'll start with salvation. And we'll go through some scriptures here on salvation. There's likely some people out there who aren't saved that come past these programs now and then, and the Holy Spirit brings them by and something will catch their attention, and the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit has them transfixed, so to speak, listening to the gospel, maybe for the first time, or for the first time with understanding. And you never know when that's going to happen, but I have a sense that it may happen. So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'll start reading. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it says there, if any man be in Christ. So you have to be in Christ and any man. Now, it's maybe a little bit controversial that not all two-legged hominids, some people might say, are actually called men. Well, I'm not going to get into that, and that's controversial, but it does say any man. So if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What's that mean? He's a new species, something that never existed Before, when you're in Christ and born of the Spirit of God, you are a God-man in your spirit. The Spirit of Christ is in you. That life of Christ is in you. And it's a new species with your name on it. And Jesus. Let's continue. Old things are passed away. Well, what old things? The old things in your spirit are passed away. You've been separated in the Spirit from sin. Now, you still got to deal with a flesh body that hasn't changed. But
but your spirit man is now separated from the sinful man. And that new species, that new creature, he is spotless and without sin because of the work of Calvary, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So old things are passed away. Yeah, you get up the next day. You're If you were fat before you got saved, you're still fat the next day. If you liked ice cream before you got saved, you still like it the next day. I'm not saying all those things are passing away, the carnal things. But there's new desires, and there's an absolute newness of the spirit. The old has passed away. And behold, all things are become new in your spirit. And this is going to start changing the outward man by the word of God. Verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So it's he who did the reconciling, not anything you did, not how many laws you kept, not how hard you prayed or how many times you read the Bible. Reconciled you to God. In other words, made everything right between you and God. Atoned between you and God made you valuable in God's sight. It had nothing to do with you. But it was reconciled, or me, reconciled to us, to himself, by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So, this wor- the world being reconciled, being atoned for, the world being made valuable and returning to God's concern and being able to fellowship with God. This reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation has been committed to us. And it says the word of reconciliation. So the word, we've got it, 66 books of the Bible. This word of reconciliation, this Bible is what we teach. And it brings us back to the Lord. Once you're born of the Spirit of God, you begin to reconcile. You've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. And you begin to reconcile your own mind by the word of God. Renewing your mind daily in the word of God. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus Christ took on your sins, my sins, Kevin's sins, on his body on the cross, and he knew no sin. He was the perfect son of God for the first time would experience what it was like to be abandoned by his father as he took on the sins of the world that he that we might be made the righteousness of God in him when we receive the free gift of reconciliation, of atonement, of righteousness, of new birth. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So 
Jesus Christ came to the Jews first, to the tribe of Judah first, and they were presented with salvation first. They rejected, some received, but the nation as a whole crucified him and rejected him. And now the gospel went to the whole world, to the distributed tribes of Israel, or so-called ten lost tribes that are scattered throughout the world, and to the whosoever wills, everyone that believeth. Salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this means you. Salvation to you if you believe. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't wait until we showed some desire, some new will to try and change and, you know, repent and, you know, working towards trying to do the right thing and then said, oh, I'll go down there and help them. I'll I'll die for them. No. While we were in full blossom bloom of the most evil wickedness the world could ever do, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And for you, much more than being now justified by the blood of Jesus, we shall be saved from the wrath through him, because all sin is going to be judged, and the world's going to be judged, and the wrath of God's going to be poured out on this world and upon sinners. But you can be saved from that wrath. Read the book of Revelations, you will see the bottomless pit opening up men's hearts failing them for what's coming upon the world diseases locusts men being burned men dissolving some kind of disease in the disease in the flesh falling off their body all judgments of god all the wrath of god but you can be saved from the wrath of god and the wrath of god can be manifest in one single person's life before the final tribulation period, God can pour out his wrath on a sinner any time he wants. He kills sinners and takes them out commonly. You can be saved from the wrath through him, through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, while we were enemies, God reconciled us. He made us valuable to God. Jesus made us valuable. He returned. It was like everything was accounted for. The accounting ledgers were balanced. It's a new page. Just as if you never sinned through Jesus Christ, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Continuing the scripture. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. His life that comes into us. He died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He lives and his spirit is imparted to those who are born of the spirit of God. Who are saved. Who are reconciled. Who receive the spirit of Christ. His life is in their spirit. And their spirit is eternal. And as righteous as he is righteous. Verse 11, 
And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement, it's a restoration to divine favor. We're now in a position of divine favor. We have the ability to receive all from God and have received great things in the Spirit. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, see, faith is an action, and confession is an action. It's a verb, faith, I know it's a noun, but it should be a verb because faith does. It moves. It's a lifestyle. It's a confession. It's action on wheels. It's doing things. That's what faith does. So that if you shalt confess, the verse here, verse 9 of Romans 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. Not maybe. It takes every single time when you believe, when God's calling, and you answer, and you believe, and you feel the conviction of God in your heart, and you know that you know, it takes. There's no question. Thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. So God looks at your heart and he sees that you genuinely believe the word of God and you believe the gospel. And he sees you as righteous now through the blood of Jesus. And with your mouth, when you confess, you're saved. That's an action. You show your faith in what Christ has done. He did it. It was his original faith that saved you. And when you confess that, you're made, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever. So, we know there's three types of salvations, three groups of salvation. There's the bride, there's the Israelites, and there's the whosoever wills. Whosoever believeth on him will not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. All that call upon him. Hey, I'm not necessarily saying I like all that. There's people out there I really wish would just die and drop off the earth and go to hell. I mean... I see their wickedness. I see what they want to do to me and to my kinfolk, destroy us. And I just as soon prefer they never exist. But God says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him, even those sad, sorry creatures. If for some reason they are able to call, they can call upon him. For whosoever shall call 
upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So whoever you are, whatever you've done, God's not looking at that. Yeah, you're wicked, you're evil, that's all of us. Maybe you have a long list of sins that you figure that are worse than most people's, and maybe that's true. I don't know from a man's standpoint, judging another severity of sins. Like I had one person who was talking to me the other day, and I was saying that, you know, if you're one of the elect of Christ, you're saved. You're sealed. You can't unsave it. You can't be unsaved. And they said, well, what about the homosexuals that continue, you know, in homosexuality? I said, they're saved. And I believe they will eventually change and they will strive to change. And maybe they will have a lot of failures, but they're saved. And that's not up to me. It's the blood of Jesus, the mercy and grace of God. There's a lot more going on there about rewards and all that, but they're saved. I don't know who you are or what you've done, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't let pride in your own disgusting sins or, oh, I'm too big of a sinner. You are not too big of a sinner. There's always worse sinners than you. And God doesn't like any sinners. But he loves them enough that he knows that they will repent. And when they repent, the love of God is poured out on them. But do you think God loves all their sins or your sins or anybody's sins? Like I said, while we were enemies, God died for us. The Lord Jesus Christ died for us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. But within that group, he persevered to win the elect bride. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings. What is, is there any man who even knows what that means? I mean, we can say, yeah, it means that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're seated with him. We have the authority, as Christ has. We have all spiritual blessings. We have eternal life. We have life the way God lives it, in our spirit. We have all spiritual blessings. Like, who can fathom that? But we have it. Bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will you see there are different groups of people there there's whosoever wills the Israelites and the elect the elect bride of Christ And some of these have been chosen. Hey, he hath chosen us. I didn't have a say in it. You didn't have a say in it. And God doesn't care what you think. Or I think, I think that guy should be chosen God. I like him. That guy over there, he's wicked. I don't like him. 
Don't God chose him. Sorry. He hath chosen us in him. Before the world was created, he chose us. There's indications here he pre-knew you, and there's other verses that say such things. But he chose before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Through the blood of Jesus, I add, through the blood of Jesus. Verse 5, having predetermined or predestined, your destination has been decided for you. Oh, no, I decided. I was in a church. I went up to the altar. I I was convicted of my sins. I made the the confession of faith, and I I was saved. And uh, yeah, but that destination was already decided for you. That that day and hour, that meeting place, that was a holy spiritual meeting God had arranged for you, and you were just doing going through the routine that God set up for you. Thank God you did. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Uh, To who? To himself. To Jesus Christ. You're adopted into children by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. Sorry, uh, you know, you people judge other people all the time and I you know, seen some judgment going on this week, and people judge, and I understand. There's some people, their wickedness is just extraordinary, and to me seems totally unreasonable that God would want anything to do with them, but it says it's the good pleasure of his will. He has a pleasure, a desire. He knows people's hearts. He knows what will be the end result of someone's salvation, what they will become, What will they do for him? It is his will and his pleasure to choose some for predestination into the bride. Verse 6 of Ephesians 1. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. It's all his work doing. It's all his work. And we just praise God for it. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood not through keeping laws, not through going to church on Sunday, not through reciting prayers, not through kneeling on glass, not through giving alms to the poor, not through charitable works, not through praying for others, not through going on a pilgrimage to holy places. You are saved through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, His free and undeserved gift. You getting what you don't deserve. You deserve to be cast into hell. I deserved it. We all did. We were all failures. We all sinned. It was the riches of His grace. You know, in Romans 8.29, it says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So that's what I'm saying about the predestination. There's definitely the possibility here that God foreknew some. Does that mean that we preexisted with him and he knew us in heavenly places before the world 
was created? Yes, I believe that's probably it. But the possibility is he foreknew us in the spirit because he knew he was going to create us and send his spirit into us here on earth. Either way, he predetermined, he predestinated us that we might be the first, that we could be, that he might be the firstborn, but we would be the brethren with him. And he determined it, not anyone else. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, 11 and 12. Verse 10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. All principality and power in heavenly places, all spirit principality and power, all worldly principality and power, and all hellish principality and power that exists below the earth. He is the head of all power, all principality, all authority. Jesus Christ himself, nothing happens without him allowing it. If he wanted to stop anything, it stops. He does what he wants. He is the authority. He is the head. There is no head above him. His father and him are one. There is no other head of authority. Jesus Christ, the head of all principality and power. All, all in heaven, on earth, below the earth, all power. Verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Oh, you got to keep the law. Oh, I got to be circumcised. Some old Jew. Yeah, I got, you know, keeping the law there, get my flesh circumcised, and then we have this covenant, and well, all that has passed away. But there is a circumcision, an eternal circumcision. The circumcision that was done with flesh and a knife was very temporal. It lasted for the life of that man, and then when his body died, it decayed and didn't do anything for him except was a symbol of his so-called covenant with God or that he recognized the covenant. Now this circumcision, made without hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This is an eternal circumcision. It, The body of sins of the flesh that your flesh and your spirit were joined together and what your body did caused your spirit to die and to suffer and they were one the sins of your body killed your spirit and now in Christ they're separated and it says in verse 12 buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. The faith of the operation of God. This faith was an operation that God did on you. It wasn't even your faith. This, the faith of the operation of God. The faith of God operating on you. The faith of God operating on you performed a circumcision made without hands and separated your spirit man from your fleshly wicked body and gave you eternal life, gave you the life of Christ 
made you perfect than the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if indeed ye are born of the Spirit of God. This is what happens when you're saved. That's why they call it being born again or a new creature in Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. (laughs) Who could ever bind God's word? It's like the spirit of God is going to and fro throughout the earth. The spirit of God does whatever he wants. He's got his word operating. It's quick. It's alive. It's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not bound. Verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So we see that Paul was working and suffering and enduring all things. One of his prime motivations, first and foremost, to serve the Lord Jesus. Second, for the elect's sake, for the elect bride. That's why he suffered. And three, for himself to get eternal rewards. But Jesus was first, others were second, and himself last. Number two, he was working for the elect's sake, for the bride of Christ. He endured all things, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. When they heard the gospel and made the confession of faith and the operation of the faith of God moved on them, performed a circumcision when he preached. Hallelujah. You see, the main group Paul was after was the elect bride of Christ. But he had to preach to all the whosoever wills. So this could come about. Oh, by the way, this is what the perfect is in Corinthians 13. This I'm going to just throw in here. Don't tell me why or ask me why. First Corinthians 13. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that perfect, oh, excuse me, verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Well, here's your answer. Ephesians, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is perfect, and he's just saying that which is perfect is the new man, the resurrected man. When we all have the mind of Christ, the fullness of Christ, the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
all this other stuff is going to be done away with. Let's go to another topic. Sealed. Okay, we talked about salvation. Now we're going to talk about being sealed. What's that, Dave? <laughs> the Word of God will tell us. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts? So when you're saved, God seals you. And what the seal means? Sealed means to stamp like with a signet or a private mark for security or preservation or to be like sealed up in a glass jar or something, like being totally sealed, like in a steel container. So when you're sealed by God, by Jesus Christ, there's no unsealing. It's impossible. Nothing cannot break that seal. He put his stamp of authority on it. He put his signet ring on there. He put his stamp mark. No one breaks this seal. It's impossible to break it. It's impossible to unseal someone. So how can you be unsaved? When you're sealed, your spirit is sealed. It's perfect. It's made in the image of Jesus Christ. It's the righteousness of, of God. It's sealed. It's separate from your body. Your body could do all kinds of wickedness, and I'm not giving you license to do anything because you won't get away with nothing. Trust me. You'll suffer for it. But you will be saved. You are sealed. Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you're sealed after you're saved, and it can't be broke, that seal. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Redemption? What do you mean? I just got saved. We're talking about the redemption of your body. You're sealed. Your spirit man is sealed. And it's signed by the authority of Jesus Christ. There's no breaking that seal. There's no unmarring that spirit. There's no polluting of putrefying that spirit it is made in the image of Christ and that seal will only be broken on the day that your body is redeemed and made into the image of Jesus Christ that's when your spirit will be totally reunited with the body of that's made in the perfect holiness and resurrection power of Jesus Christ. If you're a part of the elect of Jesus Christ, you are sealed with his mark unto the day when your body is redeemed. You can't unseal what God has sealed. There's no dynamite. There's no unsealing machines. There's no laser beam. There's no welding torches. There's no kind of equipment that can break God's seal. Revelations chapter 7 verse 3. And this is the same sealing we're talking about that takes place here. It's the same word. In Revelations chapter 7 verse 3 it says saying 
hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all tribes of the children of Israel. That's the same sealing. Same word. Now, we're going to talk about struggles. We've talked about salvation. We've talked about being sealed. Our, our saved spirit is sealed. It's preserved. It's protected by God and by His authority. Now we're going to talk about, well, well, that's all good, but I've got this trouble, I've got that trouble. Oh, yeah, struggles. I'm going to take a drink. Struggles, part of the Christian life. Romans chapter 7, verse 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good. That sin, by the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, key point, for I know that in me, hmm, not in your spirit, not in that sealed Spirit man, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Not there. For I know that in me, in brackets, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, If I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find then, Allah, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, there's that inward man, that righteousness of God man, that God man, that sealed by the Holy Spirit man, that perfect man, he delights. He delights, he joys in the law of God. He only wants goodness. All his thoughts, all his desires are to do everything that God wants. To do the law, to fulfill the word. He loves to hear the word. He loves to do the word. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Because sin is alive in our flesh. Our flesh hasn't been redeemed. We haven't been made in the likeness of the body of Jesus Christ. We have an eternal body. We have a wretched sinful body. Verse 24. O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then. 
with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but in but with the flesh the law of sin. This describes the struggle of the Christian life. Winning some battles, losing some others, struggling with this tyrant of flesh that wants its own way all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, ever and ever seeking its own wills and the desires first and foremost before God, anyone else, or even your own mind. It wants what it wants when it wants it. And it's up to us to gain control, to buffet it, to purge it, to make it obey. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So Paul was talking to the church at Corinth here, remember. So when he said everyone, he wasn't talking about all the sinners out there in the world. He was talking to everyone that was there and everyone who is a Christian, everyone who's a part of the church. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. See, you're not getting away with anything. Just because you're saved for eternity doesn't mean there isn't going to be some recompense. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be some judgment. There isn't. doesn't mean that there isn't going to be some pain, some suffering, some punishment for doing wickedness. Or having rewards and having good stuff for what you do for Jesus Christ. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, this is Paul talking. If anyone ever lived the Christian life well, it was him. And he's saying, I know the terror of God. We're going to stand before this holy God, this Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be judged our works. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Let's go on to 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's your foundation for eternity, the foundation for this world and for the next, the foundation for this life and the next, the foundation for your financial life, the foundation for your spiritual life, the foundation for your family life, the foundation for your work life, the foundation for your eternal life. There is no foundation except the Lord Jesus Christ. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. It's already laid, and it is which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now, if any man build upon this foundation, upon Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ in your life when you got saved, that foundation, that sealed man, that spirit man, you got the foundation there. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, 
gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest at that judgment seat of Christ. I'll add. Now the scripture goes on to say, For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Mm. Remember the guy who had his father's wife, could have been his stepmother or his actual mother. Paul turned him over to be killed so that he would be saved. But it says that you would be saved as by fire. You're going to pass through the fire at the judgment seat of Christ. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So what are you going to get away with when you're passing through the fire of the Holy Almighty Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Do you think you're going to regret a lot of things that you did or didn't do for the Lord Jesus Christ? Probably. I will. For what I know of what I've failed to do in the past or what I did do. But the future and this day can bring rewards instead of punishment. Verse 14. If any man's work abides which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved. Yet so is by fire. He'll be saved. He's sealed. He's sealed. That which God has saved can be unsaved. It's impossible. But there will be no reward. Maybe no reward. All fall works are burned up. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, The foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He sealed them. Continuing. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This is a command. Oh, I'm going to keep the laws. You know, the laws of God. You know, you got to keep the laws to be righteous. So, well, well. That isn't going to make you righteous. It's only Jesus Christ. But here's a command. Here's a law. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's iniquity. That's a command from the judgment seat of Christ. And if you don't depart from iniquity, there's judgment. Did I say you're not going to be saved? No. There will be hell to pay at the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. See, in that house of Jesus Christ, in his kingdom, at his throne, he has vessels that he uses for honor. I'd take out the best silverware, the best gold-plated goblets or pure gold goblets here. The best guests are coming, the honored ones, the ones, my favorite there. 
They're the ones with the authority that I've given all. They're the best. I'm bringing out those vessels of honor. But then, oh, uh, Dave Kennedy's coming out. Get that wood out here, those wood plates. Let them eat off them. Oh, here comes that Dave Kennedy. He's not, right? He's. I don't know if he's going to make it to be a vessel of honor. Some to dishonor, some to honor. Verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these. Oh, I thought you said I was saved and, and I was a perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And You bet you are if you're saved. God saved you and sealed you. You certainly are. But now you're doing a battle with that man Paul described in Romans chapter 7. Your ugly sin man. And you, it's up to you. This is the battle that God's leaving to you. Well, he'll help you. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Conversely, if a man does not purge himself or depart from iniquity, then the Lord Jesus Christ will get involved directly. And when he scourges and chastens you, he makes it a lot easier for you to depart from iniquity. Because pain is something people want to avoid. And the Lord makes it a lot easier for you to purge yourself. Because all kinds of trouble comes. And you soon begin to see, is this sin worth all this? I'm getting rid of this. I can't take it anymore. He does it so you will gain rewards with him on the other side. He does it for us, not because he's tired of us and sick of us and wants to beat us. So we talked about salvation. We talked about sealing. We talked about struggles. Now the last one. Of the four S's scourging. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. <clears throat> if we judge ourselves and we purge ourselves, if we see our need, if we cry out, if we judge, if we, we struggle with this man, if we put him down... If, I'm not saying you're going to do everything right all the time. But if you judge yourself correctly and you're trying to do what's right, you won't be judged by God. You'll be helped by Him. Verse 32, But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So, He's judging us. He's going to say, Man, this has got to change. This is no good. You're supposed to be growing on. You're supposed to be doing work here. I want you to have rewards, and I want you to help those people, and I want these things done that you're called and predetermined and predestined to do. So I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to scourge you. Why? That we should not be condemned with the world. So the wrath that's coming on the world won't come on us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, 
Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Wow. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If there isn't any chastening, maybe. I'm just saying maybe the Lord doesn't love you. Maybe you should ask him about that. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to become a son. Maybe you need to get your minds off loving this world and the things that it has. All the trash that's in this world that people fall in love with, the garbage, eternal garbage, when they could have the riches of Christ. Verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Notice that it said every, that means me, that means you, means every. Every means every, all, totally. No one is exempt and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So if you've never had trouble in your life that made you want to stop sinning, pain and suffering that made you want to stop doing what you're doing because it's not worth it, well, maybe you're not a son. Maybe you need to take it to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Maybe you need to ask God to save you. Maybe you need to be born and become a new creature in Christ. And then he'll chastise you. After you've had a time with him of sweet fellowship. Then are ye bastards and not sons. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Partakers of his holiness. And I will add partakers of his holiness here on earth, living and doing what's right, being separated unto God, doing God's work in our family, in our jobs, in our careers, in our colleges, in our universities, in our educations, wherever we go, being partakers of his holiness. I'm not talking about you, spirit man. He's as holy as God is holy. I'm talking about you living out in the flesh, battling that daily battle being a partaker of his holiness there. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, grievous. It's grievous to go through the pain, to go through the suffering, to have failures, to be beaten down, to not to feel like, hey, I can't get a job anywhere no matter what I do. I had good jobs. I became a Christian and all of a sudden I'm unemployable. No one anywhere wants me. I, I'm having trouble 
getting food. I've had weeks on end without being able to purchase any food. I'm speaking from first-hand experience here. What's going on? Everything seems to be going on. Bills are due. Things are coming. You you have to trim down your expense. You go to a much smaller apartment, and you, the cycle continues. The struggles, the desires, then when you're in the midst of the struggle and you think it's your own fault because of your own wickedness and everything, then you start to deal with temptations that you never even had before. Temptations to leave the pressure and the depression and the suffering, the mental suffering and the physical suffering by doing something else. That's sinful. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised by their, thereby. And unless you've ever experienced that peaceable fruit of righteousness, when you're in sweet fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and all is well with your soul, and all is well between you and him, and the peace of God reigns and rules, and the fellowship is sweet. Nothing the world has to offer can even, even, even compare in the slightest possible way, can't even come up to the toenails, to the feet, to the heels of such a magnificent presence of the Lord, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. No pleasures in the world compare. First Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Oh, that is chastening. This is discouraging of God. This is how he operates. He didn't come down with a great big whip and start whipping you. He used others to do it. He used situations to do it. He used devils to do it. Yeah, God uses devils. They're his devils. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice. (laughs) Oh, yes, in the midst of fiery trials that bring much pain and suffering. Rejoice. And you can, you feel the pain, you feel the suffering, but there's still a spirit inside you that wants to, when you allow it, to rejoice even though your body is complaining of the rejoicing. (laughs) Verse 13, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. 
But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer. Because if you suffer as an evildoer, you're just getting what you deserve. You're not getting rewarded. You're not going to have the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You're not going to have sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ. You're just getting licked, beat up, bruised, pain and suffering. Your just reward. Suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busy body. Oh, yeah, busy bodies. That's a sin. Getting yourself all involved in other people's business and secrets and conversation and gossip. A busy body. In other men's matters. Verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Revelation sixteen fifteen, the last of two verses. It says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. You see at the judgment seat of Christ when you pass through that fire and everything that you own is tested to see whether it can stand the flame of Christ, the gold, silver, precious stones, these parables, these images, these pictures of a type of the spiritual rewards for doing for Christ, for purging yourself, these rewards and your garments, your white garments that you wear together with Christ, those holy garments. But if you passed through and never did anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, never tried purging yourself, never worked for the Lord, never gave to God's people, never gave to God's work even, never passed out a track even, never did anything, never confessed Jesus Christ, then you won't have garments. Yeah, you're sealed. You're saved in the spirit. It's impossible to unseal it. You're saved. But there you will be naked and everyone seeing your shame. You in full regret, full remorse, wishing, crying, pleading. In such depression there in eternity wishing you had done something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelations chapter 7, verse 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Here we see people who had washed their robes, so to speak. They're covering Not that they're not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not speaking about that. I'm talking about their rewards, their clothing, their covering, eternal. You see, even in the great tribulation when God was pouring out his wrath, he even used that for those stubborn souls who would not get saved, who would not beg the Lord Jesus Christ to wash them by his blood, Even there, 
they had opportunities they would they rejected or they were saved but never did anything for Christ never passed out a track never confessed never told people what the Lord had done for them even in the midst of great tribulation God gave them one last opportunity to do right to get right with God and to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb there at the last moment in the great tribulation came forth a great multitude who washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They had to go through the wrath that was poured out on the world because they were either in the world and part of the world or they loved the world so much and not the Lord Jesus. But even there, the Lord purged, the Lord scourged and chastened these souls and they managed to get out with their robes. Well, I'm I'm praying and believing for you, dear brother and sister, and for you who are not saved, I'm praying and believing that that won't be you, that you'll be out long before the great tribulation with white robes and great rewards and not having to be a part of the wrath being poured out on the world in the great tribulation. So tonight, if that's you, I just pray right now for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for any soul tonight who within the sound of my voice, either currently, which is not likely, but probably in the future sometime when someone comes across this recording. I pray for them, Lord Jesus, that you grab hold of them. I pray that the Holy Spirit convict them and prepare them in their mind that they're sinners even before they hear the message that they acknowledge their need of a Savior and of their wickedness and of their sins. And I pray as they hear the message, Lord, tonight, that they will repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here tonight and who download later. I pray that the mercy of God and the Spirit of God and the Word of God work in their heart and minds and that they purge themselves of sins and that they work for the Lord Jesus Christ gold, silver, precious stones. And when they're at the judgment seat of Christ, I pray that they have rewards because of what they do for you here. And I thank you for that. And dear brothers and sisters, Pastor Don's at Flowers Hospital in Dothan, Alabama, recuperating, convalescing from an operation on his knee, an artificial knee being put in. The phone number is 334-793-5000. And remember, Pastor Don, and all the great work he's done for us, and I pray that you would go to PayPal. I pray that you would. And when you go to PayPal, I pray that you would enter where it says account, click on account, and enter respect to the Lord at yahoo.com and Pastor Don Spears name will come up and that's his account 
And you can make an offering to this ministry, to the Lord Jesus Christ, through this ministry, and to Pastor Don, and thanking him for all his work, and the Lord sees it, and that's working for the Lord. That's gold, silver, precious stones. Thank you, folks, for listening tonight. Thank you for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I beg you, if you're not saved, to get on your knees and to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that if you're struggling with sins, you get down on your knees. I beg you to get down on your knees and be reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ. Good night, brethren. Be blessed in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Good night, all. Good night, Kevin.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.